Hello, Pivoters. Welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU, your podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for making a pivot away from campus-based positions in education toward other opportunities. Hosts, Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Stutter pivoted out of campus-based positions and are loving it. Now they are giving back and supporting others doing the same. Hello, and welcome to the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. I'm Tom Studdert, and you probably noticed that Jamie Hoffman is not here with us this morning. She is actually uh, playing uh, playing uh, her dual role of mom uh, today. She had uh, offered to do a 5K with her oldest daughter, and so she will not be attending today, which is sort of appropriate based on who the guests we have today, Dr. Alexandria White. Dr. White, please say hello to our listeners. Hello, hello, and thank you for having me. I look forward to our time together, and uh, we miss you, Jamie. <laughs> Mommy duty calls. Yes, it does. And and um, Alexandria, do you mind if I call you Alexandria? Alex is fine. People Alex. usually say Alexandria when I'm in trouble. So Alex- <laughs> that's how I feel when I hear Thomas. I know that somebody, my mom or my dad is calling <laughs> me. Uh, so uh, the, one of the reasons I'm really excited to talk with you and, uh, you know, full transparency to our listeners, you had reached out to us during the, the first season. And so I really wanted to get you on season two is because of the, the group that you have formed about student affairs moms. And so again, being the appropriate time with Jamie being out today, uh, doing the double duty, uh, as, as a mom to two little ones. Um, I know we're going to dig into that a little bit. So I'm really excited to hear about your experience forming that group and, and working with, with, uh, you know, career, career moms in, in higher education and particularly in student affairs. Cause you know, I don't have a family, I don't have children and I know how hard it was for me being a single person. I can't even imagine what it be like, what it would be like to work in student affairs, be in a relationship, have a partner and, and have children. So I'm excited to dig into that with you today, but before we really get going, um, give our listeners your background. Tell us, you know, what you did in your campus-based position and then what made you look to make that initial pivot? All right. All right. So I have been everywhere in student affairs and higher education. I've worked in leadership programs, multicultural affairs, diversity, housing, um, Greek life. Um, What else? Orientation, admission. So I have ran the gamut of working in higher education. And so I loved higher education. But uh, last year, last year, I went to international affairs. And so we know what happened when COVID came. Um, I worked for a company called Shorelight. And Shorelight works in higher education, and we recruit international students to come to universities. And when COVID-19 hit, I was furloughed. Yeah. And I was just stunned, depressed, anxiety went through the roof. What am I going to do? I've always worked at a college campus. I love my international students. I loved being in that space. And so when my furlough um, became a permanent termination, I was just in a very dark place because I've worked at one, two, three, four, five, five, four institutions. I've always been um, active as an undergrad. Even when I went to um, Indiana University as an undergrad, I was in my sorority. I worked in orientation. And so I've always been connected to a university. 
And so when I knew that during this, this time I was no longer connected, I was just a fish out of water, but your network and who, you know, always shows up. And so one of my classmates calls me and says, Alex, I want you to meet someone. And I remember that day vividly because I was on my kitchen floor crying because I was worried about making my mortgage payments. And he said, I want you to meet someone. And I called the person and they needed a diversity, equity, inclusion person for their consulting firm out in Silicon Valley. Make a long story short, we connected We have been doing diversity, equity, inclusion training for Fortune 500 companies, for universities and colleges, for nonprofits since last year. And I'm now the vice president of diversity, equity, inclusion for a women-led, women-owned consulting firm in Silicon Valley. And I currently am adjunct faculty still at the University of Mississippi. So I still get that that taste of seeing students and being on campus. But that is how I pivoted out of uh, higher ed. It wasn't planned. Right. Wow. So I have to tell you, as you talked about your story, I, I actually got goosebumps listening to it because, you know, one, I think your story will resonate so much with our listeners because this last 18 months and, and it's, and of course it's still going on has been just, you know, everything has been up in the air for people. And, and particularly as universities are, are, you know, shuttering staff and, you know, some are coming back and some aren't, and some are not wanting to come back, even though they're being forced to come back. I think your story is going to really resonate with, with the listeners because you were forced into this decision and yet look at what has happened. And really what is interesting to me is, is the skills that you developed in higher education, you know, working in an intercultural student affairs office, working in, you know, student programming really sort of got you to where you are. So, you know, to all the listeners out there, this is a great example of the skills that we build in higher education translate to other areas if we can figure out how to do that. And so that, that to me is the most interesting piece of your story. And my heart goes out to you, but look at, look at what has happened as a result of it. Yes. All of those ACPA and NASPA proposals that I wrote up in research I use them in my corporate training. All of those learning outcomes and learning objectives that I had to do for programming, I revamp them and use them in my corporate training. Understanding the importance of diversity across the board, I use that in my corporate training. Anything that I've learned in mediation, restorative justice cir- circle, all of that trans um, transfers to corporate America. Um, and so I appreciate my development in higher education student affairs, but I appreciate how it prepared me for corporate America. It's less less paperwork, less bureaucracy in corporate America. They're like, give us the give us the stuff, give us your price, and let's go. Right. <laughs> I don't have to go through changes, right. but. Right. Well, and, and also, you know, again, timing being everything, right. You know, COVID-19 ultimately was the push for you, but you know, this is where universities I think are probably a little bit more ahead of the corporate space when it comes to diversity and and equity and inclusion for, for their, for their campuses and for their students And, and corporate, I think, you know, sort of the, 
the the result of the moment, right? The things that were happening on a national and international scale has, you know, sort of pulled DEI into the forefront of corporate. I know, you know, even the place that I work at, although it's always been a part of who we are, really became sort of elevated oh, yes. uh, with, with the national events. Um, and so I'm wondering if you could maybe talk to that in terms of sort of, you know, the sort of the, and this is not the right phrase, but sort of the magic of the moment, you know, everything sort of the stars aligning with things that were happening nationally, COVID, and, and pulling you in into this career path that really is perfect for, for what you are and what you do. Yes. And so I want to talk about, you said corporate. So LinkedIn did a statement, I think around the, the earlier part of the year, the diversity, equity, and inclusion jobs have went up 400%. 400% Tom. Yeah. And so companies are catching up to universities. Yeah. They are talking about employee resource groups, which is a version of student organizations. It's just yep. the corporate, it's just the corporate yep. version. They're talking about maternity and paternity leave. Many universities already have that. They're talking about disability offices. Hispanic Heritage Month. Right now I'm working with a large company in California to help them plan their Hispanic Heritage Month. All of my skills that I used in the diversity office planning Hispanic Heritage Month for the college campus, I'm using for corporate America. While they are catching up, I'm meeting so many CEOs, CFOs, CHROs who know it is time. Last year was very hard for me. Um, I have five brothers and the murder of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery were very traumatic for me. My, my therapist uh, was on call. I could, I can say that. Um, and it was actually hard doing this work last year uh, due to those deaths as well as Brianna. Mm -hmm. Now I use that tragedy. I use how I was feeling at that time to bring passion into the work and bring purpose into the work. I, many companies vet me, but I also vet them because I need you to be just as passionate about this DNI work as I am, um, because I'm not going to work with you if this is just a checkbox initiative. And I have found some wonderful companies that are, that are intertwining it in their DNA. They're intertwining DNI. So that's, I appreciate that. Great. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, the, the moment really has, has, has happened, I think in corporate, in, in corporate conversations and, and, and as a result of, of, like you said, what was happening on a national scale um, and, and, and to some extent an international scale. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm proud to work for a company that's starting to not starting, but really taking what we've done and pulling it into, to our DNA as well. I will say when I do consult consults with individuals who've reached out to us about, you know, their next step or their first pivot, you know, there's two areas that really, that really come to come to the front forefront learning and development, because there's a, a natural, I worked with students and, and I've worked yes. with leadership programs. And that was, that was my track, right? I, I, I remember doing strengths quest presentations to new employees <laughs> at the company that I worked for. And people were just like amazed. And I thought I've been doing this for the last 10 years. So 
I'm glad that, glad that glad that what I'm doing is new for you all. But the other area is is DEI work, and so you know we have a lot of people that 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 is a passion for them. Um, you know they may be working with student organizations at a college campus. They may be working in in a diversity office, whether it's for students or for employees. And so I'm curious from your perspective whether it's going into you know sort of individual or private consulting or working for a firm that does DEI work. How do people get their foot in the door? What what are those steps? And so I did a presentation and um, I don't know how you respond to um, your listeners, but we had a whole presentation on things that you do in higher ed and how they transfer to corporate America. For instance, admissions, if you're in admissions, that's acquisition, that's talent acquisition. 100%. 100%. Orientation, uh, logistics, all of that, people managing. It's a whole concept in corporate America. If you've been a director, if you've worked in housing and you've had to corral 15 or 20 resident um, assistants, that's people managing. All of the logistics, because I, um, I worked in housing the longest, all of those logistics that you have to do for move-in, that's corporate America right there. 1,000%. I'm so <laughs> glad that you said that. I work, I, I work in customer success now where I onboard customers. I was a director of new student orientation. It's the same thing, just with different audiences. It's amazing how many people you know, don't recognize that, but it is. It's, it's sort of that translation and transferability of skills. Learning and development. And when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, oh my, if you have worked in higher ed, if you've worked in disability services, if you've worked in leadership programming, if you have worked for the foundation or the development part, um, because diversity and inclusion is just not about programming. It's also about putting the money next to the diversity and programming. So if you've worked in development and you know how to get people to give you money, you'd be great. Mm-hmm. In regards to how I've utilized my skills, I still use theory. I still used uh, yes, in um, Maslow's theory of heart. I still use all of that. Um, but now I use the business case. So while I want everyone to be to, ch- I would love for everyone to have a new outlook on their hearts and minds. I, I get it. However, Companies are about the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And when I review a company or when I research a company, I do have to make it important to the bottom line. And that is the business case for diversity. And we do that in higher education because we add it to our mission. We make sure that it's pronounced so that people who want to feel welcomed at universities, they see our our diversity statement. They want um, students, I was going to say children, oh goodness, students, <laughs> they want students to feel welcome at the university so that they will stay and pay money. Well, it's the same thing in corporate America. They want their employees to feel welcomed and bring their whole selves to work so that they will stay and that their retention will be low. It's the same thing with maneuvering terminology and understanding each company, just like you understand each university. That's kind of a simple way of saying it, but I love it. I No day is the same. I have met people from Fortune 500 companies to brand new startups. And it's just, it's just been a whirlwind. It really has. I'm really blessed. Pivoting out of EDU, we'll be right back after this quick message. 
Coaching Through It is a podcast hosted by myself, Laura Pasquini, and Julie Larson. We're two former higher education professionals who made the jump to corporate life and now are learning what professional coaching is all about. Coaching Through It will offer you and explain what coaching actually is and how it might help your pivot out of EDU and support your career transition. We'll be digging into coaching tools, techniques, and resources that we find useful. Not only will you get these tools, but you'll find out what's useful for you and where you're at in your career. We're both career coaches and support transitions and pivots, and we have a number of other coaches you might want to learn from as we feature them on interviews on the pod. And let's get real. We've been friends for over a decade, so you might just hear an episode or two of us coaching one another. And a bit of real talk of what it's like to be in the world of work and how transitions and pivots happen today. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, as we'll be coaching through it. And now, back to the show. Um, I, I, again, like I get chills sort of listening to your story and I'm, 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 you know, without sounding fatherly, I'm very proud of you for the work that you've done. Um, because it's so important, not, you know, not just, not just the work that you're doing with, with corporate, but now the work that you're doing sort of spreading the message of, of how people can go into this, um, because it is becoming, you know, a, a, a really important aspect of what we're doing outside of higher education. Again, I, I think this is one of the areas where, where higher ed was ahead of, of sort of quote unquote corporate America. I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, you talk about transferability of skills and translation of skills and, and you talked through sort of whether you're in housing or leadership development, how do you quantify that on a resume? How do you, how do you show somebody in a resume what you did, whether it's working in with a disability services office or working with a, with a, um, uh, with a leadership development office? How do you, how do you move that over to, a bullet on a resume to show somebody so that you can, you know, get that interview. Oh, I love this. I love this. I love to quantify things. Corporate America wants numbers, people. They want numbers. For instance, created, evaluated, and disseminated a survey with a response rate of 90% for students who live in residential housing. Simple sentence shows them the data that you are really good at surveys. We're really good at surveys in higher ed student affairs, whether it's Qualtrics, SurveyMonkey, we've done some surveys, right? Mm -hmm. Quantify that, put that on your resume. Next, for instance, you acquired or helped retain 30 to 45 students in an academic leadership program for the president of the university. And doing that, the survey shows results. They love results. When I'm when I'm working with people pivoting out, where where are your numbers? Where is your data? And what was the result? So there's three things that I tell people. What's the challenge? What's the initiative? And what's the impact? Yes. Corporate America loves it. Yes. Challenge, initiative, impact. Put that in your cover letter. Put that somewhere on your resume. It's a version of a case study. They love them. So if you have a challenge, your challenge was helping mothers on campus. What's the initiative that you did? And what was that impact? We had a retention of 40% of student moms at the University of Tom. Right. And so I don't mind looking at people's resumes. They have the same question. How do I transfer what I've done in student affairs higher education to corporate America. And I talked to all my friends. We have, since 2012, 
I've done about 16 presentations on national and national conferences, NASPA and ACPA. Let's transfer that to corporate America. NASPA, ACPA, um, AFA, any programming that you've done or presentations, let's transfer that to corporate America. And I know some of your listeners are working on presentations right now. Yeah. The, conference, the conference season is coming up. I'll be yep. there. I'll be. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the only time of the year that I have FOMO from uh, working in higher ed is when I see all of my former colleagues in orientation <laughs> posting on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. They're getting ready to go to to. Yeah. For me, it was Noda, okay. and it's the one time of year that I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm really missing out on stuff. I love that you talked about quantifying and and making sure that you have results and impact. You know, the listeners will know from my previous uh, statements and and even my blog article that the higher ed resume is responsibility driven and Mm -hmm. the corporate resume is results driven. And, you know, I share all the time with folks when I'm doing consults on resume packages is on my resume. When I was the director of orientation, bullet one was oversaw orientation program for first year transfer graduate international students. And the reason for that is everybody knows what everybody in higher ed knows what orientation is. They knew what USC was um, and they can Mm -hmm. sort of make that connection without even having to think about it. But nobody in corporate, even though they all went through an orientation program at one point knows what that means. (laughs) And so now it says oriented 10,000 students annually contributing to a 3% enrollment growth year over year. And so I'm showing that, that quantification, that results and that impact. And, what you said there really sums up, you know, how important it is. And I talk a lot about your skills are transferable. Now you got to translate them. Um, now you've got to figure out how to how to wordsmith it so that the the person reading the, the resume goes, oh, I get it. I see what they've done. I see what the impact that they've had, and they can understand why you're why you're making a pivot. Why you're thinking about moving from from a from an education based position to a corporate position. Also, we we we've got to say, Tom, we talk in a lot of acronyms, jargon in higher education. Take that off your resume. Yes. Take yes. it off. Um, I remember I literally had to spell out what NASPA was. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I did. And so at ACPA, I, I, I remember American College Personal. Yeah. Take that jargon off. Spell it out. Yep. They don't know what NOTA is. They don't know. So you've got to take the jargon out because you've been speaking like that. And it comes um, second nature, nature to you as well. Right. Well, I do want to explore what I am most excited to hear from you about is the group that you started, um, the Student Affairs Moms Group. And I think partly because, as I said at the top of the show, I I don't know how moms and dads do it with with children and working in student affairs. And and particularly since my co-host is actually doing mom duty right now, which is why she's not able to join us. So I I would love to know, like, what led to the creation of that group? You know, what 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 are your outcomes from the group, but also what were your challenges and, and, and what you hear from moms and maybe dads, um, you know, who are, who are transitioning from student affairs to corporate roles? Well, in regards to dads, I've had some men who want to infiltrate the group um, and they're like, and I'm like, I am so sorry, but you can always create like student affairs dads, right. but it's kind of like sad, sad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it has been a life-changing experience. I created it. In, what is this? 2021. I created it in 2016. I am a single mother. 
I had custody of both of my brothers. So I have a daughter and then I had custody of both of my brothers. So I was a mother of three. I'm working in housing and it is, it was so hard. It was so hard when I was on duty, who's going to babysit my, my, my daughter. Um, My brothers were, were gone at that time. I'm on duty. I can't take her to duty training. RA training would go past six o'clock. You know how that is. It'd go past six o'clock. Daycares close at five 30. I can't bring her to, to RA training, the stress. And then I was the only mother and I was the only woman of color. And I'm thinking, you know, higher ed has, you know, organizations and committees for everything. Let me just research. There's got to be something for mothers. There's got to be something for mothers. I looked. There was nothing, Dom. There was nothing for the mother's experience in higher education student affairs. And I thought of an acronym. And the next thing you know, I added a couple of moms that were at other universities. And now it is 7,000. I looked at the numbers this morning. 7,347 moms. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting you to say like a hundred or so, 7,000 plus moms. That's amazing. Yes. Holy moly. And the, there's a book coming out in 2022. There, we already have a website. We have resources. It has changed my life. I, I'm first generation everything. I'm first generation um, professional, college student, doctoral um, graduate. I don't have a, a rich uncle or uncle or aunt to walk me through any of this. So all of this is faith in my steps. And I have just been blown away, blown away. The stories of mothers who who were crying, who've lost students during COVID-19. It gives me goosebumps. um, Mothers just like me who were furloughed and eventually terminated from their, their positions, except they had four kids. And let me tell you about the impact of this group. And I'm telling myself, don't cry, Alex, don't cry. Um, (laughs) I'm getting a a little teary eyed, so you're good. (laughs) So so last year we had a, a, a mother and she was furloughed from her job. And she messaged me and she said, I'm living in a hotel. I'm living in a hotel with my two kids. She, cause she worked on campus. And you know, when you work on campus, you have to find somewhere to live. And um, she messaged me and I, I said, can I call you? And she said, yes. I called her and this is, this is ironic because this is when I was going through my storm. And I said, do you mind if the Sam's community helps you? And she said, of course not. I need everything. You could, I could hear her kids in the back in the hotel, in the hotel room. We raised, I think about uh, $3,000 for her within 24 hours. Wow. We had a Sam's, another student affairs mom who messaged me and said, I know you want to protect her identity but can I redo her resume for her? And can I bring her food? Because we were able to, she didn't mind us me telling the area that she was in. Another student affairs mom did her resume, took her food to the hotel. And um, that was the power of the community. Mm -hmm. And I remember during that time that 
I was thanking, you know, God or whoever that you believe in, that I'm really, he gave me the ability to, to think of this idea and to manifest it and to continue to change um, mothers' lives, which changes families' lives, which changes communities. Um, and so that was a story. I still talk to her. She's got a job back in higher education. So that's the impact of the program. It's more of the, of the Facebook page and the website and the community. It's moms helping moms, especially because we're tasked with not only taking care of our kids, but other people's kids, right? Right. We're tasked with, and that comes with that extra tax, that extra burden. Yeah. I love it. It's the reason I still have my Facebook account, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the word, the, the phrase, thank you for sharing that story is, is, is not enough. You know, I, I looked at the, the website beforehand, which before we leave, I want to make sure that, that you have a chance to say what that site is. So folks can, can, can uh, look it up. The, the, so I, I, I was excited, you know, that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you was, mm-hmm. was that group. And my, my, I was raised by a single mom, uh, mm-hmm. not a student affairs mom, but a single mom. And, you know, I remember it was the community that really helped us, particularly when my, when my parents separated, it was the community that sort of came to, uh, help my mom, whether it was furniture or food or getting me into to school, mm-hmm. um, or whatever they, or driving me to basketball practice, you know, um, you know, the things that, that she couldn't do anymore because, you know, she needed to work almost two full-time jobs. And so beyond sort of the DEI work that that encompasses, what I think is really amazing is that it shows the power of community and particularly the student affairs community. And that's, you know, the, I, I would imagine that's one of the things that people are nervous about when they think about pivoting out of, of education is the community of student affairs, the community in higher education is really strong. You know, we, we sort of joked about the, my FOMO um, when I talked about, you know, my colleagues going to conferences, but those are the folks that made higher ed for me. You know, the people that I worked with, the people that, that I see every day. What I find interesting is that even now in my corporate position, when people ask me, what's the best part about working, working at the company that I work at, my first response is the people, the community of people. And it, it shows that that type of community exists. Um, and uh, no matter where you go, wh- where you go, as long as you have sort of the drive to create that, but it also then shows the power of DEI work because it, it, it at, you know, what really lives at that intersection is, is the power of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thank you so much for sharing that story. Would you, would you tell our listeners the website so that, that folks will, would be able to, to look it up? Yes, Student Affairs Moms, um, S-T-U-D-E-N-T, Affairs, plural, moms, plural.com. Please go on there. If you work with mothers, I tell people all the time, the website, we're going to continue to showcase stories. If you're supervising a mom, if you are a dad who wants to know how it is before a specific um, event happens, we're going to have those resources. We have merchandise to show um, that you are a student affairs mom. The book will be on the website. We want people to understand the lived experiences in order to build a more inclusive community for mothers, for partners, and from communities. So please go on there. Um, message me. They, you can join our um, 
our email listserv. It's so it's just been a whirlwind. It 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 has, and I'm I'm really really blessed. So thank thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, and if you know any moms or soon to be moms, I want to make that clear. Any moms or soon to be moms that work on college campuses, student fairs, higher education, please please uh, join our Facebook group. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. Okay, before we close up, I just have one last question for you. And and if it, you know, as as you think about people that either you're working with or that are listening to the show that are thinking about making that first pivot, they could be an entry level staff person. That's like, this isn't my career. We've got folks that have contacted us that are dean of students that are looking to make the pivot. Yes. I'm curious if you could give folks sort of your one piece of advice as as they think about making that first pivot. I want you to make sure that you have a LinkedIn profile. I do LinkedIn profiles audits all the time. We're going to have to change your LinkedIn profile. Make it corporate base. Next, there is a wonderful Facebook group. Tom, I know you know about it. Expatriates of Student Affairs. Get in there. There's jobs that will that are looking for people in higher education. Listen to this podcast. And also reach out, reach out to anyone that you know that has pivoted. So get on LinkedIn, start looking at learning and development or whatever job that you want. Get in the Facebook group, Expatriates of Student Affairs. Listen to this and listen to this podcast. Three things that you can do right now. Soon as you, soon as this podcast finished, those are three things that you can do. That's great. I am so thankful that you brought up uh, LinkedIn. I, I tell my folks all the time that I'm consulting with that in higher ed, we think LinkedIn is just an online resume. And no. we, need to, we need to pivot to that being a social media avenue and how and, and how we make connections with folks in the areas of which we're interested in. You know, it, it, I, it, we sort of joke, you know, the hashtag this and hashtag that. And, and I remind folks a great way to start exploring opportunities is to follow the, the LinkedIn social communities around the areas that you are interested in going in, because one, it'll get you the, the critical knowledge that you need mm-hmm. of that area. It'll help you start understanding the terminology that is used yes. to prepare for interviews. Um, and you start making those connections. I went from a LinkedIn that had primarily higher ed network to now a LinkedIn that has primarily networks in customer success and and data and go to market, which is what I do now. Yeah, me too. Me too. All of my my ads are now diversity consultants and international global consultants, definitely. And it if you need help, there's there's YouTube videos. Um, my company, Reboot Excel, we actually do a, a workshop specifically for higher education who need their LinkedIn redone. I mean, reach out to Tom, Jamie. We can help you with that. Add us on LinkedIn. Oh, Alexandria White, add me on LinkedIn. There we go. Good, good. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Alex, I, um, as I mentioned at the start of the show, when you first reached out to me, I was like, we have to get her on season two. And, and I sort of, I remember sending you a Facebook message saying, I promise to get back in touch with you. It'll just be a little while because we're taking a summer hiatus. I'm so glad that you said yes. Um, this has been one of my favorite shows, both, you know, the, the work that you're doing, that's that one is, is obviously so important, but also the stories that you have to share um, with our listeners and, and with the community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is, this has definitely been insightful for me and I'm sure it's been insightful for our listeners. 
Thank you. I appreciate this. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, continue to be successful. And I will continue. If I have a great story or someone who would be great on your podcast, I will be sure to reach out to you and um, Jamie. Thank you for this. Great. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to all of our listeners out there. Thank you once again for listening. Make sure and tune in next week for our next episode of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. For show notes and more information about the podcast, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. If you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity outside of your campus-based position or know someone who is, Visit our website for advice and resources and learn Jamie and Tom's private consultations offered to support you in your journey. If you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating. 